Good morning. If you haven't already, would you please once again join me in Matthew 8, 23 through 27. We're coming off the heels of last week of the cost of following Jesus. We saw that it's free to follow Jesus, but it will cost you everything. And so now we encounter these 12 men who continue to follow Jesus out onto this boat. And they're going to learn a very powerful lesson through an object lesson. Jesus is going to use this storm to show where they're weak, but not just to show and reveal to where they're weak, but to increase their faith in Him. For they will learn that faith is confidence that no matter what winds and waves come their way in this world, that God of the universe will be right there in the boat. May this be the same lesson that we learned this morning, that no matter what storms come our way, that the God of the universe is right there with us. I think we can't read enough scripture, so I do want to read this one more time. If you would join me in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 23. I know we just read it, uh, but let me read it one more time for us. As he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus kept sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We are going to die. He said to them, why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Let us pray. Holy Father, we enter into your word with expectation to hear from you this morning. Father, humble our hearts so that we can receive your word. Give us ears to hear your word. Give us a mind to understand your word. Father, I ask that your word would go forth, that we would be obedient to what your word says, and grow in our knowledge of love for and obedience to you, our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Back when I was in high school, my family decided to take a rafting trip down the Wolf River in Wisconsin. My dad, my mom, my sister, my grandpa, and a couple aunts and uncles Thought it would be a wonderful day. We got up there early. It was a nice, sunny, warm day, blue skies. We would go in our rafts and we would float down and then we would hit some rapids and go down the rapids and keep floating. We had a great day. It was fun spending time with family until we got to about maybe two miles out from where we were supposed to be picked up. That two miles out... All of a sudden, those blue skies started turning into dark clouds. Rain started coming. This wasn't a light rain. This was a heavy rain. You saw lightning all around you. You heard the crack of thunder. And we were scared. Later that day, once we were in safety, we found out that there was tornadoes that ripped through that area. 
So what started out to be a nice, relaxing, sunny day floating down a river became a nightmare. There was no room to pull over alongside the bank. Our rafts were full of water. The water was too deep to empty the rafts. We were rowing and rowing, but it felt like we were getting nowhere. The wind was too strong. And it was at this moment that the only thing we could do was pray. And I found myself almost repeating the words of the disciples, Lord, save us, we're going to die. While this was a physical storm that came our way, for many of us, we may be living in a storm of life. For some here, maybe this morning, you're facing a storm right now. And if you aren't, maybe you will face a storm at some point in your life. But as we see in our text this morning, it is God's providence that He places His disciples in the middle of the storm. And yet, if we're honest, because of our fallen condition, when we're placed in the middle of a storm, we don't always rely on God and His power and authority but we try to navigate the storm on our own. We try to use our own knowledge, our own strength, our own abilities, and we come up short. And so the question that I want to propose this morning is then when the storms of life come crashing in, how can we stand in the midst of the storms with confidence? When the storms of life come crashing in on our lives, how can we stand in the midst of the storm with confidence. And I believe this is the question that Matthew is addressing here in our passage this morning. The big idea is storms will come. So have faith in the one who holds all authority over heaven and earth. Storms will come. So have faith in the one who holds authority over heaven and earth. And we're going to expound on this point in Our text this morning, starting with our first main points, have faith in the sovereignty of God and peace will come. Have faith in the sovereignty of God and peace will come. We see this in verses 23 through 25. Let me just reread this one more time for us. As he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly a violent storm arose in the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus kept sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are going to die. Let's kind of paint a picture a little bit of what's going on. Jesus gets on this boat. His disciples follow him. And if we remember any of the backgrounds of the disciples, some of them were fishermen. This would probably be a comfortable scene for them to be on a boat. They know what to do. They have did this their whole lives they would probably have some confidence within themselves. And so Jesus takes them into a place where they would feel familiar, they would feel confident. But do you think Jesus realizes what's going to happen? Or was this storm just by happenstance, just a coincidence that it came across the sea at this time? I don't think so. Because as we see already, and we've read this text already, we know that God is in control of the winds and the waves. And so God is in control, and He is sovereign over 
this storm that is coming upon the disciples. It's only Jesus that can use a storm, that can call a storm to use it as an object lesson for his disciples. And so in verse 24, suddenly, out of nowhere, this storm, it's not just a light storm, it's not just a little rain, no, it's a violent storm. Again, these are fishermen, they grew up on the sea. And Jesus is going to teach his disciples a lesson. So we get two responses from the storm. The first response is from Jesus. In verse 24, Matthew describes the intensity of this storm. And then he adds this at the end. But Jesus kept sleeping. So Jesus fell asleep before the storm came. The storm comes and Jesus continues to sleep. I don't know about you, but there's been several times in my life where I'm sleeping and it's about maybe two o'clock in the morning when you hear a loud crack outside your window and it wakes you up, it startles you. Now you may not be afraid that you're going to die, but your mind starts racing. It's hard to go back to sleep. My mind starts, did I roll up my car windows? Is my garage door closed? Are there leaks in my house? Did I leave anything outside in this storm? And there's no peace. But this isn't the response that we see of Jesus. For in the middle of this intense storm, Jesus is sleeping. There's a peace that comes with Jesus in the midst of this storm. I can't help but remember David in Psalms, Psalm chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. He writes this, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of thousands of people who have taken their stand against me on every side. How does David have such peace and is able to sleep when enemies are around him? Or how is Jesus able to sleep in peace in the middle of this storm? Because they know who their Father is. Jesus knows the plans of the Father. Jesus knows the mission that He was sent on to seek and save the lost. Jesus knows that the storm, no matter how vicious or terrifying it may be, will never kill Him because He is sovereign over the storm. Because He knows His Father and trusts His Father, therefore He is able to sleep in the middle of the storm. And so this is the first response of Jesus, one of peace, one of sleeping in the middle of the storm. Now we get the second response of the disciples, complete opposite. While Jesus was sleeping in peace, the disciples were terrified and panic. Again, look at the words that they used. They came to Jesus and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to die. See, when we have fear sets in, replaces the faith we have in Jesus. When storms of life come in and crashing in, 
it's easy to allow fear to set in and forget who is ultimately in control. For these disciples, they only saw really two options in the middle of the storm. Either they were going to die or Jesus was going to save them. And so they come to Jesus not out of faith, but out of fear. I love how one church father says this, the disciples' effort as seamen had failed as they could see. The sea attempted to spend their fury against them, and the waves were ready to swallow them. The twisting winds had conspired against them, so they ran in fear to the very pilot of the world, the ruler of the universe, the master of the elements. They begged him to check the howls, banish the danger, save them in despair. So unlike David in the Old Testament when enemies are surrounding him, or unlike Jesus now in the boat, who were at peace knowing and trusting in the sovereignty of God, they came to Jesus with fear and not faith. This, when fear sets in, it drives faith in God out the back door. It's fear that doesn't know who is in control. It's fear that doesn't acknowledge who's on board. So often in our lives, when the storms of life come setting in, we forget our faith in Christ, but fear sets in. Fear of what's going to happen. Fear of a relationship falling apart. Fear of not paying a bill. The fear replaces the faith in the one who holds all authority. And so may we be a congregation that before the storms come, we know who is in control and who is sovereign over all. Let me give this illustration, this real illustration. In 1555, Dr. Nicholas Ridley was sentenced to be executed at the stake in England because of his witness for Christ. On the night before Ridley's execution, his brother offered to remain with him in prison chamber to be assistance and comfort. His response was declined the offer, saying, I intend, God willing, to go to bed and sleep as quietly tonight as I ever did. Because he knew the peace of God, he could rest in the strength of the everlasting arms of his Lord to meet his need. So brothers and sisters, when the storms of life come crashing in, may we not allow fear to set in, but faith. Faith in the sovereignty of God. Faith in the God who oversees everything, who has authority over all. And so when we hear the doctor report, it's not the outcome we desire. May we know that God is sovereign over the situation, therefore we can have peace. Or maybe you're at school and you're being bullied day in and day out. May we know that God is sovereign over all situations and therefore we can have peace. Whatever storms of life come crashing in, may we know that God is sovereign over all situations and we can have peace. And in the middle of the storm, may we be able to sing about our God who is sovereign. May we sing the words of songs like this, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, 
thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Brothers and sisters, have faith in the sovereignty of God and peace will come. Our second point that we learn from this text today is faith in God gives us confidence in the midst of the storm. Faith in God gives us confidence in the midst of the storm. Let's read verse 26 now. He, Jesus, said to them, his disciples, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? While this may be a sharp rebuke of to their fear, to why they were afraid, and Jesus is indicating that they should have known who was in the boat with them. They have seen Jesus already perform many miracles, heal the, heal the leprosy, cast out demons. They heard his teaching. In fact, they were with Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, and they've heard the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 30, where he says, If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. And so while even spending time hearing the words and seeing everything that Jesus is doing, fear still sets in. And I'm sure myself included, when storms of life come in, it's easy to fear rather than to have faith in the one who controls all. And so let's not be too hard on the disciples, because I'm sure we can easily relate to them. But there's hope. Jesus says, why you have little faith? They are showing some faith, but Jesus doesn't respond in this way. Why you have little faith? You, you want me to do what? I'm not stopping the storm until I see greater faith. Wake me up again when you have real faith. What a bunch of wimps. This isn't Jesus' response, but instead he hears the cry of his disciples. And he stands up. And he rebukes the wind and the waves, and there was calm. And so may this be encouraging for us. So no matter what storms come in, no matter where we are, may we always reach out and cry out to God in the midst of the storm. But God just doesn't want us to have this little faith or a weak faith. He always wants us to grow in our faith. And we see Him do this in our passage. Because again, he's using this object lesson of the storm to show and reveal to the disciples where their faith is at and to increase their faith in the one who is sovereign over all. Knowing that one day he's going to send them out to spread the gospel to all nations. And they're going to encounter way worse than this measly storm. And so while Jesus could have gone back to sleep, while he doesn't want to leave his disciples with weak faith, but he wants to increase their faith, 
we see that Jesus is teaching them, don't come out of fear, but come out of faith. And Jesus is teaching his disciples that faith is to be without fear. Or put it positively, maybe faith is a form of bravery. A commentator wrote this, In the New Testament, faith is not simply a passive acceptance of truths, of a weak resonation that just believes. Rather, faith is often depicted as courageous confidence that believes Jesus is always greater than the occasion at hand. See, when we see faith, we've seen this faith already played out. This faith that believes that Jesus is greater than any storm of life that we can face. We see this with the leopard a few chapters ago that comes to Jesus after his teaching. And he, the leopard says this, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What does Jesus do? Makes him clean. Or how about the faith of the centurion who says this, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Matthew records that Jesus was amazed. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great a faith. So as we grow in our faith, fear is driven away. We become more confident when the storms of life hit. And so may we look to examples. May we look at Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Fame of Faith. We, may we model these people as we grow in our faith. Third point that we see in our text today is if we are to increase our faith, we must grow in our knowledge of God. If we are to grow and increase our faith, we must grow in our knowledge of God. And we see this also in verse 26, where it says, Then he, Jesus, got up and rebuked the winds and the sea. How does Jesus reveal himself? He shows his authority. He shows his authority over nature by rebuking the winds and the sea. I love, I read the Jesus storybook to my kids before bed, and I read this story to my daughter last night, and one of the lines of this story, the author writes this, the winds and the waves recognized Jesus' voice. They had heard it before, of course. It was the same voice that made them in the very beginning. The same voice that created them is the same voice in the middle of the storm to tell them what to do. And this points that Jesus is God. How do I draw that conclusion? Well, we see God, the Father, doing these same things. And if we look at Job, Job 38, God is speaking to Job and he says this, Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and total darkness its blanket? When I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place? 
When I declared you may come this far, but no further, you proud waves, stop here. The same, father, same power we see in the Father, we see in the Son. Declaring that Jesus is God. The same authority that we see in the Father, we see in the Son. And so when we know that Jesus is God, we can have bravery of faith in Jesus, which gives us confidence in the middle of the storm. And so may we continue to grow in our understanding and knowledge of who this God is, knowing that He is sovereign over all, knowing that He is bigger than the storm at hand, knowing that He has the authority over heaven and earth. May we have confidence in our God. I love this story of Hudson Taylor, a missionary. He writes this in his journal. When he was sailing to China to begin his missionary work, his ship was in great danger. The wind had died, and the current was carrying them towards sunken reefs, which were close to an island inhabited by cannibals. So close they could see them building fires on the shore. Everything they tried was to no avail. In his journal, Taylor recorded what happened. The captain said to me, Well, we have done everything that we can be done. A thought occurred to me, and I replied, No, there is one thing that we have not done yet. What is that? he inquired. Four of us on board are Christians. Let us each retire to his own cabin and agreed prayer to ask ask the Lord to give us immediately a breeze. So Taylor prayed briefly. And then, certain that the answer was coming, went up to the deck and asked the first officer to let down the sails. What would be good of that? He answered roughly. I told him we had been asking a wind from God, that it was coming immediately. Within minutes, the wind did begin to blow, and it carried them safely past the reefs. Taylor wrote, Thus God encouraged me, landing on China's shores to bring every variety of need to him in prayer, to expect that he would honor the name of the Lord Jesus and give the help each emergency required. Like Taylor, may we too come with confidence before our God who is sovereign over all. May we not come out of fear, but out of faith to the one who tells the winds and the seas what to do. Brothers and sisters, may we be a people that continue to grow in our knowledge of God. And as we grow in our knowledge of God, may it not just be simply knowledge, but may that grow our faith in Him and our confidence in Him. So no matter what storms of life come, we can stand with confidence knowing who our God is and He is with us in the middle of the storm. So may we, if we're going to increase our faith, may we grow in our knowledge of God. Our fourth and final point comes from verse 27. It reads this, The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. So my fourth point is, Who is this man? 
that can calm the sea and the storm. I find it interesting that Matthew uses this word, the men were amazed. Not the disciples were amazed, but the men were amazed. And I think he's driving a point here. He's contrasting the disciples versus Jesus. See, no human could ever tell the winds or the waves where to go, but only God can. We see that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And so what is the answer to this question that the disciples or these men propose? What kind of man is this? Well, the psalm, psalmists answer these questions. Psalm 29, 3 the voice of the Lord is above the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord above the vast water. Or how about Psalm 65, 7? You silence the roar of the seas, the roar of, of their waves. Or how about Psalm 89, 9? You rule the raging sea. When it waves surge, you still them. Or how about finally Psalm 107, 23 through 30? Others went to the sea in ships, conducting trade on vast water. They saw the Lord's works, His wondrous works in the deep. He spoke and raised a stormy wind that stirred up the waves of the sea, rising up the, to the sky, sinking down to the depths, their courage melting away in anguish. They relied and staggered like a drunkard, and all their skill was useless. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They rejoiced when the waves grew quiet. Then He guided them to the harbor they longed for. Who is this man? He is God. He is God incarnate, who is able to control the winds and the sea. And this question will also be further answered next week in our passage by an unlikely character, which we'll get to next week. I won't ruin that for Mark. But Christ came not to sh just save the disciples from the storm, but He came to save the lost. See, we live in this fallen world where we have hurt and pain and tears and death. And Jesus came to save us. He came in the flesh to die upon a cross, to take on the full wrath of God to redeem us and save us so that one day we will live in eternity with God forever. We will dwell with Him forever where there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more storms of life that will become crashing in on us. But for today, when the storms of life come crashing in, may we know who is always with us. Jesus who is God, who is in control over everything, who is sovereign over everything, who is above every situation that we can ever encounter. And so may we place our faith in Him. And when we do, may our faith continue to increase in Him, knowing who He is, that He is standing with us in the midst of this storm.
Now, I understand that Scripture never promises that these storms will always pass like we do here. But we can trust that Jesus is always standing with us in the midst of the storm. And may we have confidence now to face the storm, knowing where our faith is in the one who is sovereign over all. Let us pray. Father, we face many storms of this life, and even in the midst of this congregation, we cry out to you. We think of those, Jerry O'Shaughnessy, we pray for him and healing and recovery. We pray for Paul Vorbeck, as we also pray for recovery and healing. We pray for the tragic loss of the family of one of our community here in Rolling Meadows just a few weeks ago. Father, we pray for our congregation as we're going through this transition. We pray for the pastoral team, search team, that you would continue to give them wisdom and guidance. May we continue to come to you in faith, trusting that you are leading us. Father, I pray for just our nation. It seems like every day there are new storms coming in, new ideologies, new philosophies that are so contrary to your word that stand against what we believe. And so I pray that even in the midst of that, we would stand firm with confidence knowing that you are sovereign over all. Father, we thank you for your word that you do reveal your goodness to us and who you are to us. And so may we be a congregation that continues to grow in our knowledge of you. And as we do, may we grow in our faith in you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.